The highly regarded scholar N.T. Wright relates a story about the Roman general Pompey. It was the year 63 BC. He had just conquered Jerusalem and he made his way to the temple. But he didn't stop at the great temple doors, this massive structure, no. He entered in, went all the way to the inner sanctuary, to the Holy of Holies, but was surprised to find no image, no idol. N.T. Wright wrote, Pompey was, we may assume, disappointed. He had presumably gone in not just out of curiosity, but to confront the Jews' God with the fact that the goddess Roma had just worsted him or her in a straight fight. No doubt this experience only added to the Roman conviction that Jews were atheists. They don't even have an idol. They have no gods. They're atheists. In ancient times, in the days of Jesus, life wasn't compartmentalized as we're accustomed to think of it. Religion, politics, life were all integrated. This is clear in the Roman general Pompey, conquering and giving tribute to the Roman goddess. It's clear also in our readings that there is this integrity of life, politics, religion in the ancient days. Take St. James, for example. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God and the Father is this to care for orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained by the world. It's a far more expansive and historically based understanding than our contemporary one, one that President Obama often articulated as the freedom of worship instead of the freedom of religion. You're free to worship, do whatever you want in these four walls, but religion has nothing to do with what's out there. Now take the first reading. Moses said to the people, now Israel, hear the statutes and decrees which I am teaching you to observe, that you may live and may enter in and take possession of the land which the Lord is giving you. Observe the commandments of the Lord carefully, for thus you will give evidence of your wisdom and intelligence to the nations. God had just drawn the Israelites away from Pharaoh and Egypt through the Red Sea into the desert to the mountain where he entered into a covenant, a special relationship with him designed for their transformation. And it was through this covenant that he gave his laws which allowed for a just way of living so that when they came to possess the promised land, it would be valuable to them. I use this example with kids when I speak about law and rules and justice. I ask, do you have your own room? And most these days say, yep, I've got my own room. I said, do you have any rules or laws regarding your room? And the eyes get pretty large and the heads go up and down. And then I ask, what would happen if you didn't have any rules, laws governing your room? And I get a look like, well, duh, father. My siblings would take my stuff. It would be chaos. They would be in there and I wouldn't be able to keep order. They get it. Without a just way of living, possessing the land is of no value. That just way of living was intended to be light to the nations, pointing everyone back to the God from whom they received that just law. Now take the gospel. The things that come out from within are what defile. 
From within people, from their hearts, come evil thoughts, unchastity, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, licentiousness, envy, blasphemy, arrogance, folly. Apparently for Jesus, religion has something to do with the human heart, with its fallen condition, and with healing it and forming consciences, which presupposes a way of life by which humans ought to live. The fruits of this bear not only on the individual, but on the community. If unchastity is evil, then this bears on behaviors, relationships, movies, social media. If greed is a malady, then advertisements are affected. Deceit, theft, murder, it's easy to see how these affect society and that religion isn't only about what we do in here, but has an essential role to play out there. This is part of the critique Jesus is making of the Pharisees. Those exterior actions of purification are meant to be reminders of the interior work of purification that is your duty. And those exterior actions of purification are also meant to be pointers for everybody else to a just way of living, to the God who lies behind them but you've hijacked these for your own evil purposes. Now, for some reason, this makes me think of external things like face masks. Face masks, they have become, for many, symbols. Symbols of purity. On the one hand, purity in resistance to government overreach, to authoritarian rule, to the erosion of freedom. And on the other hand, they have become symbols of purity of conscientiousness, good health, common sense, civic duty. This past week, I've thought numerous times of how fortunate it is that I don't have a school this year. <laughs> the division, animosity has been unbelievable. My heart goes out to you educators, principals, teachers, and everyone. You might see especially Catholic school educators for they had a twist thrown at them with the exception that came out last minute to the mask mandate, which created all sorts of trials. Priests were telling me that they or their principals were berated the past couple weeks by people on both sides, Catholics on both sides berating them for their decisions. One priest told me about his parish this would have been last year when masks were mandated and evidently a significant number of people were not wearing masks. So those in charge of sanitizing took it upon themselves to take the spray bottles of sanitizer and begin to walk through the pews before masks squirting the ones who were unmasked. Nothing says light of the world like disrespect to authorities and to one another. Friends, it's so much easier 
to focus on the externals, on the exterior, than on the interior, to do the hard work necessary. But Jesus knows that we can't do it on our own. He knows that a written law from the outside is ineffective on what we bear on the inside. Let's turn to him who comes into us and is a force for the good so that we might be a force for the good as well.